And you're welcome along to the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. Porik is here smiling away. Good morning Good to morning, you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good how, morning. How are things today? Great. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. A lovely week, really. Hasn't it been? Oh, temperatures. Glorious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was the old cherry blossoms. I noticed at least the ones on my road really came into the road oh, this they're, week. They're fantastic. And while there was a small bit of a breeze in the earlier part of the week and I thought it was kind of going to said, oh my goodness, it's going to be very short-lived if they all come in. But yeah. no, they kind of they're rallied back. And yeah, yeah. it's just, it, and that lovely bit of colour that has come about. It's been fantastic, really. And we're seeing all the apple trees come into flower and all the flower, flowering malice and all our spring flowering plants, I suppose, are, are brilliant this year. But the weather's going to be good for the next couple of days. So lots to be done in the garden. I suppose just to, to start with kind of a, um, a couple of pointers. First of all, plants that are in containers. So if listeners have any kind of, particularly flowering plants, mm-hmm. in, so things like camellias or uh, anything that's flowering at the moment in tubs and containers, rhododendrons, for example, azaleas are in full bloom at the moment. So if you've got pots or plants in pots and containers, say outside the, the, the door, the front of the house, bay trees or whatever, make sure you give them a good heavy watering. And um, the weather has been quite drying. Not so much for plants in the garden, there's plenty of moisture in the soil and the soil is now very workable. So don't worry about anything that's in the soil, but certainly anything you, you've got in window boxes, containers, um, maybe hanging spring flowering hanging baskets or standard plants or shrubs in containers, give them a good heavy soaking this weekend because... Um, they like drying clothes. It's not necessarily the heat that dries them, the wind dries them equally as well. So just keep an eye on that. I have noticed that with, with, uh, with plants in tubs and containers. Again, it's the time of year to start feeding plants. So again, if you've got things in pots and containers or indeed plants in the garden soil, we are promised some rain next week. So this would be the perfect weekend, weekend to start feeding your shrubs in particular. Hedging plants, trees would benefit. Everything is burst into leaf now. Many things are coming into flower. So this is the time of year that we start feeding plants. So roses, for example, they're coming into lots of, of new foliage and stems. So this is the time of year to actually feed them. And and generally you feed now and you feed about a month later. So normally kind of mid-April and mid-May and possibly again in June right. in, in terms of granulated fertilisers. And, and that should see most trees, shrubs and hedging. That's the main growing period for them. So generally once a month for the next three months, feed your, your garden plants and certainly start the liquid feeding of plants as well in tubs and containers. Um, so, th- so that's quite important. The temperatures are quite good at the moment for the sowing of seeds of, from, from plants, both outdoors or indoors, but particularly outdoors. You mentioned 15 to 18 degrees tomorrow and over the weekend. I do, and well, I see you 20 in some spots. There you go. So that's the perfect conditions for the sowing of all your edible crops in particular. So things like lettuce and carrots and parsnips and all of those can be sown directly out of doors now. And the plants can be planted as well. So if you've got some plants, now is the time to be hardening them off and putting them outside. Pretty much all of our vegetable plants, apart from things like celery, tomatoes, chilies, peppers, they require still a little bit of frost protection, so they should be kept inside. Mm-hmm. But most of our vegetables, all the brassicas, all the cabbage and Brussels sprouts and lettuce and all of those can be planted safely out of doors. Um, so this weekend would be particularly good for the sowing of seeds of plants, both flowers and vegetable plants, the planting of vegetable plants, things like onion sets, shallots, they can all still be planted at this time of, of year. And with the soil warming up now, it'll be it'll be 
perfect conditions and the soil is very workable at the moment and it's still quite moist so plants will take off very very quickly. Speaking about things like tomatoes, cucumbers, aubergines, pumpkins, if you've got those keep them inside for another couple of weeks. Right. Pot them up into larger pots because they're quite hungry and quite vigorous. Mm. It's also you can still sow the seeds of many of those fruiting plants so courgettes, marrows, um, pumpkins if the kids want to try a few pumpkins maybe and get them germinated on the windowsill this would be the weekend to do that. So it's very much that sense of the sowing of plants. If you want a bit of colour in the garden, then the rhododendrons and azaleas are absolutely brilliant this year. I see one in on WhatsApp and yeah. it's absolutely oh, covered that's what it is, isn't in it? flower. Yeah, it's a rhododendron um, and, and rhododendrons are flowering really, really well this year. There, many of them have come into flower, some have yet to flower. They flower over a very various different uh, weeks for the next six to eight weeks and um, you've got rhododendrons in all sorts of colours. So the purples, the whites, the pinks, the reds, some that are two-tone, um, two different colours. Um, there's a lovely one called Wine and Roses, which has um, a two-tone colour in the leaf. And the flower is brilliant at the moment, uh, a beautiful shade of red. Uh, varieties like Baden-Baden as well. So if you want a kind of bit of a colour, I suppose, for Easter, the rhododendrons in particular are lovely and the azaleas have just started to flower. And they do very well in pots and containers. And for listeners that have them in flower in their garden, this is the time to wash them really well, but also to feed them. Give them a little bit of ericaceous feed now, just to keep them uh, flowering that little bit longer. Cottage garden plants. So I often associate cottage garden plants with bloom and bloom happens at the end of May. So thinking about things like lupins, delphiniums, foxgloves, they're all in flower for bloom. So now is the time to plant those in your garden. So again, if you want that kind of sense of bloom at home and those old cottage garden plants like the peony roses and, and the poppies, the delphiniums, all of those old cottage garden plants, this is the time of year to plant them. And they're all frost hardy, so there's no problem planting them out directly into the garden soil and they'll take off. So you need to plant them as plants because sowing them from seed now, they won't flower until this time next year. So we, 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 the plants really, if you want a little bit of, of kind of early spring colour, I suppose, mm. that cottage garden. And there's lots of other plants then that can be planted to extend the colour right through the summer in terms of cottage garden plants, things like hydrangeas, um, Delphiniums and the lilies, of course, will flower right through the summer. And of course, dahlias, it's still not too late for planting up dahlias. And I think there's a question in on that today. Um, edibles, so we mentioned about all the edible plants, so they can be planted, garlic and so on. Um, wildflowers, again, this is the time of year for sowing wildflowers. So if you want to do a kind of a wildflower area in the garden, maybe under fruit trees or somewhere in the garden that you want to kind of cut down on the maintenance, again, we sow wildflowers in the month of April. It's kind of nature's time as well for for the, lots of the seeds are beginning to germinate this time of year. And particularly if you want to encourage um, honeybees or butterflies into the garden, wildflowers will do that for you. So it's a really good time to to to, to sow those from seed. Lawns, of course, people are mowing them away. So they are. Yes. Continue to feed yeah. them. Continue to look after them. Um, and you know, regular mowing really once a week at this time of year. Blueberries they can be planted now, and and blueberries if you plant them this year they tend to fruit in their first year and they do brilliantly in pots and containers. But things like strawberries can be planted this time of year. Apple trees, they're coming into flower. If you go for the coronet varieties, they're the small miniature ones, they flower and fruit in their first year. So again, a nice little project for children to get involved with. Maybe put a, a miniature apple tree into a large pot, surrounded with strawberries. It's, you'll, do, you'll have a completion in an hour and uh, it's something for the kids to look forward to. Yeah. Maybe take ownership of, of and keep watered and, and look after it. And using the, um, the coronet varieties, they fruit in their first year. So they kind of get, within a couple of months, oh, yeah. 
they're looking at the little fruits develop on the plant. Uh, tomatoes we spoke about and, and so this is the time for planting tomatoes but do keep them inside. Don't be tempted to put them out just yet. We've had frost and the temperature some of the evenings have been quite cold. Yeah and I so, know we, they are 9 to 10 degrees uh, over the weekend but it could go back again. And, of course yeah. it could and you could get you can still get nights of frost through April and even dipping into May so so keep those all those softer plants. None of the bedding plants uh, particularly the softer bedding plants like French marigolds or basilisies or begonias should be planted out into the garden soil just yet. Fine if you want to do a few window boxes or hanging baskets mm. and take them in on frosty nights. That's perfectly fine. Um, the hardier things like anthraniums, pansies, violas, white alisum, sweet peas, they're perfectly fine. So when you're in your local garden centre, just ask that question. Is it okay to plant these out of doors? Um, because it can be tempting to put out French. Some French marigolds have, have come into flower already, right. okay. and and it can be tempting that people will buy them and just stick them into the garden. But a night of frost will see them off. So just be careful, I suppose. Just ask that little bit of advice. What's frost hardy, and what can I put directly in, into my garden? So they're the type of thing. Keep it on top of the weed control in particular at the moment um, it's great weather for hoeing and, and, and scuffling off weeds if you keep on top of them now they don't it, it's not as much a problem then okay. as we come into early summer um, so everything is actively growing all your garden plants but the weeds are growing as well so keep an eye on them keep them controlled and um you know, I suppose get out there and, and, and use the good weather yes. now that we're going to have over the next over the next couple of days. Some of the spring flowering plants like forsythiae, the, the yellow, yellow flower, that's just going over now. So in the next week or 10 days, you should be pruning those back. So as the flowers start to fade on spring flowering plants, that's the time to cut them back. So don't leave it kind of three or four weeks. So once the show of colour goes over, you prune them back. So if you need to prune your cherries, for example, back, they're pruned after they finish flowering in, say, another fortnight or so, or flowering red currant, which is blooming at the moment. Once it goes over, that it's that's the time to prune it back. So spring flowering plants are pruned immediately after flowering. Camellias, again, they're still flowering really well, but once they go out of colour, give them a light trim back as well and feed them and that'll bring them on for next year. So our spring flowering plants, those that flower at this time of year, you cut back as soon as the flowers start to fade and just keep an eye out for that because, you know, plants will flower at different stages. There'll be several weeks between. For, so, for example, the lilacs are just on the point of flowering. They're, the flower buds are just forming. They'll flower through May and then they're pruned at the end of May, early June. Yeah. So keep an eye on that. So if you're tidying up the garden, only be cutting back uh, the, the spring flowering plants yeah. as they fade and feed them at the same time. So we always prune and feed at the same time. time. If you haven't pruned your roses... Yes. And there are some out there that Leave happened. them alone? No, no, or cut do, them back. Do, do, do okay. give them a trim back. This kind of, we're coming, you know, we, you, do, you don't want to be leaving any, any later, but if you haven't done it, then this is the, this would be a good weekend okay. to cut them back, feed them. Keep an eye out for green fly as well, because green fly are loving this warm weather. They're breeding at the moment. And um, so things, softer plants like lupins in particular are very vulnerable. Uh, roses, as you know. Some climbing plants as well, clematis can often get it at this time of year. So particularly plants that are putting on a lot of vegetative soft growth are attacked by green flies. So just keep an eye out for that. There are plenty of organic sprays you can use, treatments that you right. can use. You don't yes, have to use any pesticides. There are plenty of organic ones. You get them in your local garden centre and again, prevention is better than trying to cure the problem. So if you, if you treat them early, 
then, then you're nipping them in the bud rather than becoming a problem later on. Yeah, I noticed a lot of um, ladybirds um, Which in is great. my own garden uh, recently. Well, the ladybirds... Well, it was probably a bit of on a damp day, but uh, there was one plant, there were like four of them on it, which Brilliant. is a bit unusual. Uh, you know, you don't see them that often. No, you don't. And, and ladybirds are fantastic because they're carnivores. Oh, They right. love their bit of meat. Are they looking for some slugs? No, they're looking for the aphids for your green okay. fly. So okay, they so where they, you, where you've got ladybirds on on plants, yeah. definitely there's there's aphids there because they're they're carnivores. They love love so a bit of meat. Feeding. That's what they did. They, they eat the aphids. Wasps do the same thing. I know wasps have have a bad reputation, but they are carnivores as well. They're the gardener's friend, and they hoover up all your green fly and black fly. And so the next time you see a wasp in the garden, just leave, leave him be, leave him be, and let yeah, him get do, on with it. He's doing you a favor. Yeah, um, so so yeah, uh, ladybirds are fantastic, and their ladybirds are often used commercially. So they're bred yes. commercially yeah. for the likes of Keelings in Dublin. The fruit people would use them to control pests. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there, there, there are quite a number of, um, of uh, insects that are used to predate on aphids in particular. There's a little wasp um, in Carcia, a little wasp again that's used as well to, um, to tackle caterpillars. Yeah. So, so they're used commercially. They're actually brought into the greenhouses. They're bred specially to be released into the, into the greenhouse to, to tackle their, the, the flies and the bugs organically. Okay, so it's kind of... So yeah, so ladybirds are, are the gardener's friends. So where you see them, make sure you're not using pesticides and try to use something that has an organic. There's plenty of treatments out there that are based on things like rapeseed oil that control aphids and green fly, but don't harm beneficial insects. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So there's okay. So, so there's the plenty of them available. Again, in, pop in, pop in into your local right. garden centre and um, they'll advise you on on the organic treatments to use. But but do keep an eye out for aphids and um, just prevention is better than curing the problem. As with most things in life. Absolutely. Right. Uh, if we are going to turn our attention to questions, yep. I have a flock uh, stock in a bucket. It was in the border last year and I had to dig it up as the rabbits had all the leaves eaten off it. Right. I want to transplant it to a different part of the garden now. Do I have to put it down in one big clump or can I divide it at this stage and really love the programme? Well, you can you can certainly. And the, the flocks, this is the perennial flocks that grows. It can, they, there are different varieties, but they can grow, generally they'll grow three to four feet in height and they give fantastic colour and, and come in a whole range of, of different colours. And phlox is again like the lupin, it's an old cottage garden plant and it multiplies by producing underground stems. It's quite a big plant, it, it, looking at it there in the pot it's probably two feet in diameter. So if the listener can carefully divide the plant, maybe with an old um, an old bread knife or something sharp that will actually cut it into two or three pieces, then you can safely transplant it. So I would certainly divide it up. It, it benefits from division every couple of years and transplant it then into a new location. If you want to keep the rabbits off it, use the grazers. That's a liquid treatment. You simply put it on the foliage of the flocks and the rabbits dislike the taste of it and keep them away. And and once flocks gets above a couple of, you know, once it gets 18 inches or two feet, it, it's quite hardy at that stage anyway. They'll do very minimal damage on it. Um, so yeah, looking at the plant, it's it's actually quite strong. There'll be no problem dividing it. Transplant it now. Give it a good washing when you're putting it back down. The other thing the listener could do is just actually take the tops of the flocks just with a uh, little scissors, cut off the little the leading shoot of each of the top shoots, and that'll help to branch it out, and you'll get more colour from it. But um, yeah, great example of of, of 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 one of the old cottage garden phlox plants. 
Fantastic. Now, I sowed two shrub peonies last year okay, and they started to grow again. Is there any feed I should give them now? Yeah, these are the peony. So peony roses come in two different types. You've got the cottage garden one that dies back to nothing in winter and re-emerges and produces those lovely big blousy blooms in May. You've also got tree peonies that grow like a, like a tree, like a shrub, and eventually they'll end up probably five, six, maybe seven feet in height. The flowers can vary, but they tend to be singular, kind of large, singular blooms. So you, you, you treat it as a shrub in the garden, and like any shrubs at this time of year, it'll benefit from some tree and shrub fertilizer. So put about a handful of something like the Osmo Pro 6 around the base of the peony. Repeat it again in May, and... Um, It'll, it'll do really well for you. Peonies tend to take a couple of years to flower, so don't expect to bloom this first year. Okay, so how, how many years? Would it I could be, it depends a lot on the soil. If the soil is very fertile and they're growing really well, it can be four or five years before they settle down to flowering. Okay. So, but, but, you know, the mo- important thing is that you're building a bit of bulk in the plant, that you're allowing it to grow, you're allowing it to fatten out, and as it, as it develops, then when it does trigger into flowering, it'll be absolutely gorgeous and it'll flower every year after that. So they tend to be a little shy for the first couple of years and into a lot of growing but feeding them certainly now with the Osmo Pro 6 repeat that again in about four weeks time and again in June and that's all it needs it doesn't really suffer from pest or disease it's a really easy plant to grow but very spectacular I think they're Pina lovely roses, and I just yeah. love to see them because they bring that early spring colour in they do. you know before other things really yeah. have come into growth and that's really the way to be planning your garden that you're you're, you're trying to get colour in February and March more than that will come at this time of year in April and then the peony roses come into flower like the lupins as we come into May, early June. So you're trying to add uh, colour right through the, the, the whole summer. Fantastic. Right. Uh, now, lawns. A couple of questions, I think, in on lawns pork this yep. morning. Um, uh, one with a photograph. And this is, I think you might have seen this just prior to coming on air. It's a two-year-old lawn. It's been redone three times right. in the last seven years. Okay. And it was done professionally with a rollout lawn. Um, so, um, but I suppose the difficulty here is that they have a recurrence of wild grasses. And you can yeah. see the different colouring where it's been mowed and the, the wild grasses yeah, are and this happens, out there. This happens, uh, you know, this this happens in, in any lawn. You can get wild wild meadow grass being blown in and seeding and developing on the lawn. And the trouble is, you see, the traditional lawn weed killers don't differentiate between uh, your, your normal grass, lawn grass, mm. and the wild grass coming in because they're all grass species. So that it's not going to differentiate. It can differentiate between grass and, say, a, a daisy or a, or a plantain or one, a broadleaf weed. So the traditional lawn weed killers will not control this wild grass. You, you either live with it and put up with it because it's a grass, it's green and it, and it does, you know, it does look different in the lawn, certainly, and it creates these patches. Or you can isolate the patches and treat them with something like, um, you can spot treat them now, it will kill everything within that area without contaminating the soil, but you could spot we spot trees with something like the Weed Free 360. Now, that would mean the, the wild grass will die, the long grass will die, and you have to reseed those areas again. You could also use something like the Roundup Gel and just dab it onto the, to the area and, okay. and, 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 and kill it off. So it's either treating it yeah. individually like that and keeping on top of it or just living with it. Because redoing the lawn again, you're still going to get that wild grass being itself seeds itself, basically yeah. from from the hedgerows and from the gardens around. And I suppose you know, more the more out in the country one lives, of the course, more susceptible one is going of to be. Of course, you're going to be, yeah, yeah, yeah because you've yeah. got wild meadow grass, you've got lots of different species of grass growing in the meadows, and and they're more upright, they're more vigorous, and um, so you know. 
they just it's just part of competition part of part of, part and parcel yeah now Catherine is in Balhadrine and she sent in a couple of photographs great bit of colour in her garden I'm wondering can you help identify the plant and so I this think is the red this ro- is the red, red rhododendron. rhododendron and they're absolutely spectacular this year and it's a really good time of year for planting rhododendrons because if you pop into your local garden centre they're coming into flower and you can pick a colour and a flower size that, that suits your own garden and they do really well in pots and containers because you can put in the area compost as long as you keep them really well watered um, this one is actually planted in the garden and it's done doing really well oh, it looks fabulous to me it, it looks like a variety called Baden Baden which is a beautiful red uh, uh, rhododendron l- nice large bell shaped flowers the, the plant nearly covers or the flowers nearly cover the plant in bloom when it's in flower but there's lots of really good varieties um, in, in flower at the moment and this is a good time of year to pop in and, and, and get one and same with azaleas which are in the rhododendron family they're flowering beautifully as well. They, they tend to be a little bit lower. Now, my weeping willow is 30 years old. Wow. And is, is how long do they live? Well, they can live up to 60, 70 years. Okay. I mean, they can, okay. you know, so and, so and even it's, longer. It's not even midlife yet. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say it's a teenager, but it's a, yeah. It's a young adult. It is. Um, anyway, it's 30 years old yeah. and it's very straggy looking this okay. year. I went in underneath the branches. All new willows are growing down. Do I cut off the old branches or what should I do? Yeah, so look at willows, uh, as they grow, because they've got the, the branches come out and then they come down, they tend to hide the, the older wood and that wood tends to go brittle and brown and die away. So every two to three years, you should go in under the willow and cut out any dead wood. That helps to rejuvenate the tree. It helps to stop this kind of scraggy nature on the tree because it's probably a mixture of live wood and dead wood in the tree. And also by lightening, by taking out the old wood, you stop the tree from being rocked by the wind because many willows um, come to their fate by simply falling over in, in windy conditions and getting flattened because of the, the amount of dead wood within the tree and it just catches the wind and they just flip over. So my advice really is, and now is really the time to do this, is to go in under the, the, the healthy growth, anything that's dead or brittle, cut it out completely, um, tidy it up. You can trim up the base of the willow as well and um, that'll help to thin it out and, and rejuvenate the tree and give it a little bit of a feed and it's be back into great condition again. Fantastic. They probably suffered a little bit last year with the dry weather because mm. willows are moisture loving plants and in a year that we get a dry summer like last year, if they weren't watered, even though it's 30 years old, they're very surface rooting, it can suffer from. So sometimes you get a, bit, a little bit of dieback. Yeah. So you will see this on trees and I noticed on my, my own Japanese maples this year, quite a bit of dieback at the end of the branches and it's really down to the very dry conditions we had last year. Just bits at the ends beginning to die. It's of no harm really you just trim them up tidy them up give them a feed and they're back into good condition again Okay great now somebody's wondering about uh, uh, planting potatoes I want to know is it too late to sow potatoes and vegetables on ridges they say if they're sowed too late they will only grow to be quite small No no there's a long long growing season Bit of a pish over yeah. there Well look at the, the, the rule of thumb is you can plant your potatoes until the ash comes into leaf and our friend the ash until it's fully in leaf I should yes. say until you can see through the ash tree and that will be the end of May. So you have no problem. I mean, look at if you ideally this is the sort of weather. We start planting potatoes on St. Patrick's Day and you can plant them up until certainly the middle of May. But if you go into your local garden centre, you'll still get some seed, potato seed available. You can still plant the earlies, the second earlies and the main crop varieties. All of them have another 
three months of growth yet. So generally potatoes mature after kind of 10 to 12 weeks and they're ready for harvesting. So there's plenty of time yet and the soil conditions are, are actually warming up really well at the moment. So get out there and start planting and veg in general. Yes. This is the time of year for planting veg, you know. So April is, is really the month. Right through April, May, you know, into the first week of June, you've no problem planting all your vegetable plants. Okay. Uh, now, is it still is it okay to still plant dahlia bulbs? Want to grow my own cut flowers this summer, if possible? And yeah. can we plant them outside? Well, you can't plant them just yet outside because mm. we're still getting frost. Or you take a risk that they'll be damaged. My advice really is get a couple of dahlia bulbs, put them into a couple of pots, <clears throat> keep them indoors in a bright garage or a bright maybe you know warm room somewhere nice and bright. They'll start to grow within two to three weeks and plant them out then around the the end of May, the middle towards end of May when all risk of frost has passed and they're fantastic as cut flowers and again they're something that will flower right through till yeah. October so you have plenty of time to plant them and there's such a variety of them as well there are and you see in gar- in the garden centres at the moment of, they've been selling dahlia since January, February so you need to get them pretty soon because the best of them are going to be gone within another kind of fortnight so really this is the time of year for you for the potatoes in terms of potato question and also the dahlias and bulbs in general they should be planting planted up now. Begonias, for example, gladioli, lilies, they're all planted at this time of year. Now, I bought some tomato plants uh, a few weeks ago, but they don't seem to be doing very well, failing almost. They're in a polytunnel. Okay, well, they may have got a chill because um, tomatoes will suffer would from... They? Oh, they, they would, even in the tunnel. A bit like greenhouse. ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So if they're gone a kind of bit uh, purplish looking, kind yeah. of purpley in the in the leaf or in the stem, that's a sign that they've got a cold chill. Um, and really tomatoes, I would keep them on the windowsill. Some are indoors, reasonably warm. If you're putting them in your greenhouse or tunnel, cover them with fleece or, or cover them up at night time because um, cold nights will affect <coughs> them. It doesn't necessarily have to be frost. If it goes down to quite a, a chilly temperature, you'll get uh, tomatoes being held back. Things like cucumbers, pumpkins, courgettes, marrows, chilies, peppers, they're all susceptible to cold, to chilling weather. So um, see how they do. Maybe maybe it's it's time, you know, if, if, they're, if, they're, if they're beginning to rot or they're beginning to die away, mm. then certainly replace them. Um, but yeah, it's, it can be a tad early. And even in a tunnel in a greenhouse, it can kind of get quite cold. Okay, so, keep so cover them with fleece at night time for the next three or four weeks anyway. Okay. Uh, now, I have a rose bed with okay. flower carpet roses. Lovely. They are great every summer, low and colourful. Could I plant anything else in the middle of the bed to flower and give some height about five foot? Okay, yeah. Well, nice if, idea. if you've got room, well, if, if flower carpet are generally planted kind of en masse, maybe five or seven or ten, um, so it depends on the, on the amount of space the listener has in the middle of the bed. What you can plant, which wouldn't take up too much room, are standard flower carpet or standard roses. So these are roses on a clean stem with the flowers up four or five feet in the air. So you've got the central clean stem with the, with the flowers blooming on top. They would make... Uh, a lovely addition to a, a flower carpet bed. So you'd have roses at two different levels. Yes. You'd have the ground cover and flower carpet at kind of 18 inches, two feet. And then this clean stem would come above them and the flower carpet roses would be held about four or five feet above. So I'd plant some standard uh, roses would be nice. Um, if you've got a lot of space in the centre of the bed, you could plant, say, some hydrangeas. White hydrangeas would be nice. The Phantom or Annabelle, just, you know, they take up a good bit of space, but they give a nice bit of height at kind of four or five feet in height. Or other standard roses as well. There's plenty of other varieties, say, like Arthur Bell, that you can get on a clean stem that would look well as well. So they'll give you that little bit of height on top. 
great stuff. Now, um, just I, I know we touched on dahlias there. Somebody has sent in a photograph of, of uh, a tuber pork, um, and just wondering, it it looks a dry. They're concerned it might be a little bit on the dead side. They dampened it once during the winter. Is that how they overwinter? Oh no, they, yeah, they look pathetic. Yeah. Over, <laughs> well, this doesn't winter. actually look that pathetic. I mean, it it looks like it has potential. Yeah. Well, th- think about you know potatoes when you store them over the winter. I mean, they they look you know they they if if the tuber is firm, then it'll be perfectly fine. So dahlias, as they die back, they look nothing. They look shriveled up. They're kind of wizened. They're wizened, yeah. But the tuber should be firm um, itself. If it's soft, then it has rotted over the winter and, and I discard that. But if it's if it's firm, if the actual tuber is quite firm, then just plant it up. You need to plant it into compost to activate it, to get it to kick into growth. And then as it grows, pinch back the growing points. So when the young shoots are about four or five inches high, if you pinch the centres of those out, you'll help to thicken out the bulbs. But uh, dahlias do look, I mean, they look dead-like mm. for the winter. But the, the tuber itself should be quite firm, um, potted up. You'll know within two or three weeks whether it's going to grow. Now, I'll be in the garden centre in Turlock today, so if the listener wants to bring them in, yeah. I'll have a look at them for them and, um, you know, I'll, we, we'll know straight away by looking at whether they're still alive and kicking. But um, don't be put off the fact that it's that it's gone a bit wizened. I think they should be okay. Uh, okay. um, and do is it a good idea to dampen them during the winter time? Like not that? really. No, no, no. You leave them alone. No I mean, you don't want them. You don't want them growing over the winter. They're dormant. That's the whole idea that they be, they go into dormancy um, over the winter period. So you just leave them alone for the winter. Keep them in a frost-free location, um, somewhere airy, like a garage. That's the That's typical thing. And and leave them alone. You don't keep them moist because otherwise you're just kicking them into growth right. in the wintertime yeah. and that's that's that's, that's of no use. So so look at the, the main thing is that the bulb itself, the tubers are actually firm. If they're firm to touch, then it should be perfectly okay. And by potting them up, you'll know within two or three weeks whether they're going to kick into growth or not. But again, as I say, if you want to bring them in, I'll be in the centre after twelve o'clock. Okay. I wanted to give a present of a flowering tree and I wondered about a magnolia. I oh, see lovely. a lot in flower this Easter. Would this be suitable or is there something else to choose? Now, magnolias do look fabulous this year. Well, yeah, and I always say that, you know, a tree is a great way to celebrate any occasion. So there's a lovely tree, for example, called the wedding cake tree that's often given during the summer for that simple purpose. Um, If you want to mark an occasion, a birthday or something at this time of year, then a magnolia will flower in April every year. That's the beauty of it. Um, Mary O'Rourke actually, uh, she she often talks about a magnolia that she got The time that uh, Albert Reynolds was came into government, she was minister for health at the time, and lost her job in a reshuffle. Right, and her part or some of her constituency uh, clients gave her a magnolia. And kind of 30 years on, the magnolia is still... Flowering it's away. A, you know, it's a story she tells about this magnolia. Yeah. Um, so it was there to mark that occasion, but yeah. it flowers every year for her. They and are. magnolias are long-lived. I mean, they'll live 50, 60 years easy. Uh, so a magnolia would be a lovely tree to, to plant. And they're, they're, I suppose they're a small tree or large shrub. They don't grow that big. Um, Solangian is the biggest variety. It'll probably grow 10 to 12 feet there's a lovely one called Susan, which is a darker pink colour, about eight feet high. Mm. And there's one called Stellata that only grows to six feet high. So depending on, but a, a magnolia would be a lovely 
gift. It is a lovely gift. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But any tree, any tree that would flower, and you can pick a tree that will flower. So, for example, the um, laburnums will be flowering next month, or the flowering crabs are flowering at the moment, but they'll all have berries in the autumn. So there's there's a tree that flowers nearly, or has some level of interest on it. For every month. Month, yeah. Yeah. Now, we've a lavender shrub. It's five foot high. I just transplanted it, but it looks like five it's feet high. dying. That's five feet high. <laughs> that's, that's a big lavender. That's as big as myself. <laughs> I'm, not that, I'm not that tall for people who don't know me. But it's around the five foot mark. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. That's, that's very tall. Could that be? Is well, there are, is there lavender that grows five there are feet more high? Vi- there are more vigorous uh, lavender it varieties. It wouldn't be five feet in width by any chance. It could be. It could okay. be. It could be five. That would be more like uh, five feet in width rather than five feet in height. Now, look at the. If it's either left, either way, it's dying. Any okay. tips? Well, if it's dying, and it was transplanted. Think, well, that's probably the reason it's dying. Okay. Um, depending on you know lavender, lavender moves well when it's small and young. But it, you know, if it's five feet wide or five feet tall, then it's it's a very old plant, and that probably has has uh, set it back. I mean, if if, it, if the leaves have withered on it and the stems are, are withering, then you you know you you may have done irreparable damage. Now what I would do is just leave it alone. You could cut it back slightly, see what happens over the next couple of weeks. See will it kick back into growth again? Um, but generally speaking, lavender should be pruned back every year. You keep it small. That's the way you keep it young. It doesn't build up too much old wood. And this is the time of year to trim back lavender if you've got it in the garden. You could have done it a little earlier even than this, but it can be still pruned at this time of year. And that helps to rejuvenate plants. It keeps the wood very young in them and um, keeps them smaller and, and uh, more manageable as well. Okay. Um, now, somebody has sowed a few pansies and they follow the instructions, but they still seem to be dying. They're wondering how should they restore them? Well, it depends what's what's affecting them. Again, maybe if they took a couple of pictures and just sent them in, in to us. One thing to watch out for with pansies and violas at this time of year, violas are the smaller flowering pansies. Green fly and aphids attack them in the springtime. So just check for that. Um, the plants will be sticky to touch. You'll see the bugs on them. The leaves will be kind of curling up as well. Um, so that could be certainly affecting them. But again, maybe send us in a couple of pictures. It's it's uh, Pansies are, are dead easy to grow. So um, I can only think that it'd be something like that. Maybe the aphids, some green fly or aphids are, are on them. Okay. But you know that by just touching them, by looking at them, you'll see the, the creepy cl- crawlers, the, the, the leaves themselves will be whizzing and the, um, they'll be sticky to touch when okay. you go near them. Okay. I've just been telling Porek and my mother, who has, I think people who know, listen keen to this programme, is a yeah. keen gardener. And uh, recently, um, she, I was uh, in, out in her house one day and there was a bit of a collection of um, oh, uh, empty um, orange peels, you know, so they had been cut in half and they, and I said, what are the orange peels for? I said, here, here we go. We're stacking up orange peels. So she said, oh, that's for the slugs. Somebody told me that if you put them in the garden uh, upside down or, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the roundy bit is at the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, that the slugs crawl into them. Yeah. And I said, oh, right. And do they die? And she said, well, I don't know yet, but we're going to try it. And I said, oh, fine. So anyway, the other day I said, what happened with those slugs? It, they die, she they said. Died. They died. There you go. So they crawl and she literally just place it on the top of the soil. And, they, and the slugs. So we'll, oh, so there you go. somebody else can try that and Absolutely. see yeah, if, if she was brilliant. fooling me a or not. But anyway, that's, way. yeah, apparently, I don't know what might be in orange peels that, 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 that tracks them, that for tracks some, them yeah, or yeah. maybe. It's the first time I've heard it. Okay. So, so she, she, told, she told me it, was, it worked. Yeah, so, look, that's yeah, a brilliant. So, 
So Brilliant. there you go. I'm passing on the information. Anyway, let's go back. We have a poorly performing white hydrangea sewed last year, sewed in ericaceous compost in an open space by a wall. It's doing very badly and it doesn't look that healthy, all right. We have a photograph. Uh, what can we do to revive it? And isn't the photograph great because without the photograph we wouldn't have spotted no we wouldn't have spotted so the listener has actually planted it they've lined the planting hole with black plastic now I, and first of all white hydrangeas will grow in any type of soil so yeah. you don't need ericaceous compost for them, for them ericaceous compost is normally reserved if you want to keep them blue or for rhododendrons azaleas camellias those lime hating plants but your your white hydrangea will grow perfectly happy in ackle or it'll grow here in Ballyhonus um, in any type of soil. So what's what's uh, affecting the plant here and why it's not thriving is the black polythene is, is impeding the growth. So my advice really is to lift the hydrangea, take away the black polythene, get yourself some good compost, rich compost. Hydrangeas are hungry feeders, so they need a really rich compost. If you can get some farm, farber manure, brilliant, old mushroom compost, or you can buy a bag of farmer manure mm. that's composted from Bordemona. Dig that into your soil, so a good rich compost, put the hydrangea back in, firm it in well, give it a good watering, give it a little bit of feed and it'll be perfectly fine. And you don't have to go to all the trouble the listener did there in trying to, they're trying to exclude the soil away from the um, from the from the root. It's too enclosed. It's starved, and, it's yeah. hungry, it's, it's miserable. But it's so, not dead. No, it's not dead. There's life in it. I would dig it up today and literally take the polythene away, dig the, the ericaceous compost that they have back into the soil, but get some, get yourself a bag of that Bordemona, um, it's far, it's called, I think, farmer manure, composted farmer manure. It's really rich. Dig it into the soil, put your rose or your hydrangea back in and it'll be... It'll be it'll happy be, it'll be, yeah. It may not flower this year, but it'll start growing vigorously and this, you know, next summer you'll get the colour from it. Okay, and they are spectacular. Yeah, they're lovely, coming. yeah. And so they don't, uh, the whites and the pinks will grow in ordinary garden soil, so there's no problem. It's just the blue ones. It's just the blue, if you want it, if, yeah. And even, even the blues, you can have them in ordinary garden soil and put down the crystals that'll change oh, yeah. the, the colour, the colour in them anyway, so... Hydrangeas aren't, they're often mixed up with rhododendrons. People get them mixed up all the time. I'd be talking to somebody in the garden centre, they'd be telling me, oh, I have a hydrangea and it's and flowering. It's really a rhododendron. And it's flowering near, now in April and I'm kind of... <laughs> no, it shouldn't be <laughs> yeah, yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So people do mix the okay. two up. Um, why? I, I don't suppose, know. Well, maybe the ericaceous aspect of it. Maybe things. something like that, yeah. yeah. Okay, now, how would I feed rhubarb uh, with, or what would I feed it with? It was sown last year. It doesn't look very healthy. The sticks are very small. Well, rhubarb is, is exactly the same as our friend the hydrangea. It needs a really rich... Uh, compost. So when you're planting rhubarb, it needs plenty of organic matter. That's the secret to it, really. Um, so, you know, if the soil is anyway on impoverished or if it's kind of on the drier side, rhubarb just won't thrive. So my advice really, I would dig the plants back up again and redo the soil. So get again, get yourself some organic matter if you can. If you compost in your, from your own garden, that's great. Or get a couple of composted bags. Again, that Bordemona one would be quite good. Dig that into the soil and replant your rhubarb plants. That's really all they require. Every winter then you should cover them with a layer of rich compost. I mean literally put a six or eight inch layer of rotted compost on top of them. That's what rhubarb requires. Regular feeding and um, a a moisture retentive soil and once it gets that it, it 
produces fantastic six year on year. Now, uh, somebody, uh, uh, Mary is in Tormakidi and she's wondering about a shrub called Old Man's Love. Uh, lost it in the frost and wondering, can she get it now? I've never heard of a shrub. Old Man's Love. love. No, yeah. it's not one that, okay. that rings that maybe a that's a, Maybe it's a bit of a colloquial it's a, yeah, name for it's something. It's a common name. Yeah, um, I don't know if you have a photograph, Mary, that you could send in send to us. Send us in a picture. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll check that out for you. Okay, um, bum, bum, bum. Gooseberries. Uh, gooseberries that get a white mould on the leaves and fruit. How do we stop that? They fruit well, but the white stuff spoils them. So that's American gooseberry mildew. So it's a mildew, again, last summer, mildew was quite um, prevalent on lots of lots of trees and shrubs but gooseberries in general they, they suffer from two things first of all a little caterpillar called the sawfly that's laid at this time of year hatches out and eats the foliage of gooseberries and also American gooseberry mildew which affects the leaves and then spreads onto the fruit and you get this kind of scum on the fruit so it makes it makes they're still edible but it, it kind of uh, I suppose it take, takes away from the fruit um, now to control it all you do is put a little bit of um, a fungicide so something like rose clear that we use on roses that should be used on your gooseberries at this time of year because it'll control the sawfly and it'll also control the um, the American gooseberry mildew so apply that now repeat in about a month's time and the, the gooseberry will be perfectly fine What's the best thing to do with the winter flowering heathers that have died off now? I've a, a good few in various pots and containers. Yeah. Should I trim them back and yeah. leave them in the pots? Or well, you can do you can do two things. So first of all, the first thing to do is to trim them back. So they're 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 on the point of going out of flower now, and they're that's there's a great example of a spring flowering plant. Even though they've been flowering since November, they're beginning to go out of flower now. Now is the time to trim them back. You could take them out of the pots and replant them somewhere else in the garden because. Winter flowering heathers will grow in any type of garden soil, so it can be alkaline or acid. Um, the other thing is to feed them now, give them a regular feed after pruning because you want to encourage lots of new growth on which they will flower this coming winter. And maybe where you have the pots then, put in some summer colour, maybe some nemesia or some anthraniums or something that will give you a, a little bit of summer colour rather than leaving the heathers there for the summer because you'll just get nice green growth rather than any flower. So I would trim them back, transplant them, feed them and... Um, They'll bloom again uh, next next winter for you. Okay, super. Um, our daughter is getting married in August. What should I plant now to have colour in the garden? We live near the sea, so not everything will grow. Right. Well, well, think about the seaside plants that are flowering in August. So hydrangeas would be one. Hydrangeas, and they come in a whole range of different colours. Go with the... Um, uh, paniculata varieties because they will flower this summer for you. So th- varieties like Bobo and Phantom and Vanilla Freeze, I mean they give stunning colour right through August, September, right into October. Roses will still be in full flower for August. Go for the low varieties, things like the flower carpet, they come in a range of different colours and again they'll be spectacular for for the August period. Um, fuchsia, Again, fuchsia Beautiful. does really well yeah. in the seaside. And again, there's a whole range of, of different varieties that could be used. Dwarf dahlias will be giving a lot of colour. Most of the summer bedding um, will still be in full flower. So things like begonias, geraniums, um, all of those, you know, kind of late summer flowering asters would still be giving lots of colour uh, in the autumn period. So any of those kind of late summer flowering. So roses for me, hydrangeas, certainly the dahlias would be really good. Some of the cottage garden plants that flower in, in autumn, um, the sedums, the yeah. asters, chrysanthemums, they would be lovely at that time of year. 
Okay. Uh, now, can you get seed for coloured lettuce? Oh, you can. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, lettuce Which, alone, well, for if you look for, there's a, a range of seed from Sutton's called the Speedy Veg. Uh, I think I featured them on the programme mm-hmm. a couple of weeks back. But they're a whole range of different varieties of leaf crops. So there's everything from lettuce varieties, lots of different coloured lettuce varieties, um, things like pak choy, uh, things like Chinese leaves. And this, so they've, they've blended a whole range of different mixes that you can sow at this time of year. Then you cut and come every, you know, two weeks. You can literally cut the foliage, use them and they regrow again. So look for those, the speedy veg. But if you want something with a, a nice red leaf lettuce, there's a lovely one called Laura Rossa, which is, has a beautiful lovely, dark kind yeah. of burgundy wine and there's another one called oak leaf lettuce which again has that lovely burgundy wine the leaves are the shape of an oak leaf and they've got that rich colour so yeah pop pop into your local garden centre I mean lettuce alone they'll have 30 varieties Now would you be able to suggest a herbicide to kill the grass and weeds around a blackthorn hedge that won't kill the plants the hedge it's two years old it's part of the gloss scheme and it's wired off Okay, well, you want to first of all check to see what, what herbicides you're allowed to use under the gloss scheme. Uh, that's the, f- the first thing I would suggest to you. Um, secondly, if you're, using, if you're using a herbicide, probably the safest one to use will be one called Weed Free 360, which basically, when it touches the soil, becomes ne- neutralised, becomes inactive. You need to make sure that you keep it off the leaves of the blackthorn. So you might need to cover those with some polythene bags or a sheet of cardboard in front of them, first of all, before applying the herbicide. Um, you know, it, it might be easier just to, to, to strim the area or to control it in a, in a, in a, in a different fashion, whether hoeing would be an option. Um, but check, first of all, what's, what's permissible under the glass scheme and, um, and go from there. And go from there. Okay. Um, now, I've got a medium-sized veggie pod and would like to plant some tomatoes. What small types could I use? Well, any of the tumbling. So you've got the um, varieties like Tumbler, which stays small and neat. You've got a variety called Red Profusion, which again uh, only grows about a foot or 18 inches in height and, and spreads out. It'd be perfect for raised beds. Again, remember that it's too early to plant them directly out into raised beds or into the veggie pod just yet. So keep them on your windowsill inside and then plant out later on. So for me... Um, the Red Profusion, Tumbler, or there's a variety called Totem, which again grows like a totem pole. It literally only grows about 18 inches high. It stays very neat and very compact. Okay. I have a Pandola plant, um, and I think it's an Anthurium. They are all, they have all green leaves, no red leaves with stems at all, but just the green leaf this year. Why are they not turning red? Well, the, the red comes on the, what we call the bracts. So you've on Anthuriums. So Anthuriums, first of all, is an indoor plant, very colourful plant, and it flowers for... for eight, nine months of the year, really. Oh, yeah, we pictures here. Now, the plant looks healthy. Yeah. Well, I I, yeah, Yeah. I kind of run around and show me. We'll just do it like that, Warwick. So, basically with Anthurium, so these are the normal, you've got the normal leaves here, and then these are the modified bracts. So, this this particular bract, it's green at the moment, and it will change colour. They come in shades of white, they come in shades of pink, and shades of red. So it depends on the variety the listener actually got. But that brack will change colour. They need to be in a... not full sun, not direct sun, so kind of semi-shade on a, on a windowsill. Keep them watered every fortnight and that brack will colour for you, will colour up. Okay, great. Uh, now, bum bum bum. Can I, when can I sow wildflower seeds in bark? 
in Bark? No. I mean, the, the listener probably, probably oh, has... Oh, where they have it covering the ground. Probably have, yeah. So you need to scoop away the bark. You need to get it down to the soil, really. Um, so really, my advice is to is to keep the wildflowers for a, for kind of an area of the garden where you can rake the soil over, sow the seed directly into. They need to be in direct contact with, with the soil before they'll germinate and start to grow. So um, once they start growing, if you want to put a layer of bark around the base, then that would be perfectly fine. Or indeed, you could buy some plants um, you know some some wildflower plants and and put them in where you've got the bar- bark. Just scoop back the bark and plant them into the directly into the soil. But if you're sowing the seeds, they need to go directly onto some garden soil. Okay. Uh, can I grow an apple tree in a pot? I want to give my kids a job this Easter. Lovely job. Yeah. I thought this might be something they could plant. Yeah. Now. Well, I think we mentioned that mm. at the top of the program that um, uh, apple trees do very well in in tubs and containers. And if you surround them with strawberries, plant strawberries or some garden herbs, it's a really good mix to have the two together um, remember in the OPW that they plant the garden there in Dublin they plant oregano right at the base of the apple trees to encourage the bees in to, to, to help pollinate the, the apple trees so go for a, a dwarf variety something like the cornet it's a small variety it stays very compact in a container and then underplant it with some edibles either some lettuce or some leaf crops or some herbs or indeed some strawberries or even a mixture of all of those and uh, you've got the best of both worlds Okay, great. Uh, just one or two more before we finish, finish up. Um, somebody had a question about rockeries there. Uh, yeah, I think they want to plant up a rockery and they're just wondering uh, about plants for it, Paul. Okay, so well, look at it. It's a really good time of year for planting rockeries. You'll, you'll notice plants in flower at the moment like Aubrecia, things like Campanula, which gives beautiful blue or white flowers, um, Phlox, which is a ground covering phlox and stays low to the ground, snow in summer. So there's lots of really good, what we call alpine plants or rockery plants. There are plants that come back year after year. They're designed to creep over the stones and cascade down over um, the soil and they have to kind of cover the soil as well. My advice really is when you're planting them, put them in groups of threes or fives of the same variety. Let them fill in together and form this kind of carpet effect. And in your rockery, if it's large enough, you could also put in maybe a small Japanese maple or some very small shrubs as well, just to complement the um, the alpine plants. So there's a wide range available at the moment. Really good time to plant them. Plants like Saxifragia, Aubrecia, Arabus. There's a yellow flowering Alisum, which is lovely at this time of year. Campanulus, which will flower through the summer. Some of the Dianthus. Um, which are in the carnation family, which again stay quite low. They're lovely in rockeries or borders or beds. And this is the time of year for planting them. Okay, great. We're probably going to have to leave it there, Porik. Are we doing Facebook Live this not, morning? Not today, okay. no, uh, but uh, I'll be Just back. Just on an Easter break with us. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll be back, of course, next week again. And I'm in the garden centre today um, from 12 o'clock through to 6. So if people want to pop down to our Turlock Centre, I'll answer any questions there. Okay, excellent. And I know there's a couple that uh, we didn't get to this morning. So we're going to hang on to those and we'll try and address them for you on the programme uh, next week. Thanks indeed for all of that. Happy Thanks, Easter to you all too. at Horkins. Uh, that's where we're going to leave it. Uh, do stand by. Michael Neary is out and about after the news. Attend live from Port West in Westport. Uh, a very interesting morning happening there regarding some fundraising. So do stay tuned for that. And of course, they'll have the very best in country music too right through until one o'clock. All going well. I'm back next Saturday just after seven. Until then, have yourselves a really good uh, Easter weekend and enjoy the bit of the break.